This is Kevin. And this is Ron. And this episode of Your Valuable Home is brought to you by Provia. Provia, a faith-based company that makes entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone, and metal roofing, all of incomparable quality. Welcome to Your Valuable Home, the weekly podcast for listeners who believe that residential real estate is the way to build wealth. Hi, I'm Kevin Kennedy, a working contractor and host of Your Valuable Home. Your Valuable Home is for homeowners and investors alike who want to acquire and improve real estate based upon educated decisions. And I'm Ron Milk, Your Valuable Home producer and co-host. Our weekly one-hour podcast is not about doing it yourself. It's about hiring the right contractor to do the right job at the right price. And it's not about flipping. It's about buying and holding to build wealth. Homeowners and investors who strive to create wealth and financial freedom with real estate and avoid costly home improvement mistakes. Your valuable home is for you. The Project Replay made redoing our kitchen and bath trouble-free. Your horror stories have kept us from hiring the wrong contractors. The college segments have taught us how to keep toxins out of our home, what to look for in replacement windows, how to borrow sensibly against home equity, and more. College teaches investors like me how to freshen up my rentals without spending a fortune. Their suggestions are great for ROI. It's time for Your Valuable Home. Okay, Kev, new show? We're going to start with a replay again. What do we got? Well, this is me actually got to talk to one of the builders, local builders in the area. And as I was watching them build, because it's right down the street from me. So I'm sitting in my window and I'm, I see the building going up and I see the changes that they're making. Well, everybody thinks you're a builder. I'm going to tell you, Ryan, if you see somebody that's a builder and they think they're very good, just tell them they're not. I told them to said that because here's why. We did a video a few months ago about installing windows correctly. So, and one of the things that we had- You mean the YouTube we did? Yeah, the YouTube video, Uh the Sugar Shack that we Mm -hmm. put in. It's a basic installation of any of the vinyl windows that you're gonna put in. So this company was put in vinyl windows, single hung, by the way. Now, what that means is that the top part of the sash doesn't move. Correct, yeah. There's not much play in the frame because everything's kind of molded together and it's just the bottom sash that goes up and down. The installation. So they're putting the window in, as I'm watching put them in, they put the window in, they still had their underlayment. But the first thing they actually started to do is that I would tell you to do is actually put the Tyvek Flex or another product, whatever one, I'm not saying you have to use it, but it's one I use. Rubber. Put the rubber mm-hmm. on the sill, wrap it correctly like I did in the video. They were just slapping them in, but they did put the rubber around the window. So as I was watching them, they put the window in, put the rubber on the bottom, rubber on the sides, rubber on the top. Now what that is going to do is that if moisture or water of that window seal breaks, which is in the corners of the welds, the water that gets trapped into that area, now that the rubber's on the bottom flange, that moisture cannot escaped out because the rubber's over top of the nailing flange and it's not allowing that water to escape out. That rubber that's molding to that flange is not mm-hmm. allowing that water to get out. So now that's all backing up inside the Into house. Into the interior of the house. Yeah. Yep. Number two is you're saying, well, you know, how's the window going to break? How's the window going to fail? And I said, well, years ago, we talked about how many times the stucco issues, well, most of the stucco issues that I personally seen have been windows not flashed correctly. So number one, this is not flashed correctly. Number two is right in the video, I said, do not drive the nails home, which means when you're putting the windows in around the nailing flinch. have some play in it, right? You want to, right, right. Give that windows a little bit of flex. So right. as it heats up, it's not going to twist and turn. The welds aren't going to break. Right. If you ever notice on stucco issues, the problems are on the corners of the windows because those welds break, the chamber takes the water and it just drops through and starts rotting out the yeah. plywood. You can really notice it in a, uh, a stucco-clad house. Correct. Because you, you can see those black marks coming. So down. if all that water's penetrating in there, wouldn't you think if you're a builder, you would know what to do? You, you would think. <laughs> so 
I was just having some, you boy, you talk about somebody getting upset. Listen, so builders can get upset. I'm fine with that. The problem is, is that you shouldn't be upset when you're doing the wrong job. That's the problem I have with these builders. Everyone thinks they're great and they're doing a lot of jobs. And look, you could be making a lot of money, but if you're doing the job wrong, who's going to be the one that's going to be paying for the long end result of all the damage that's occurred? The homeowner. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I said it's that all to all on them. How is it fair for the homeowner? I said, it's great because the contractors, local contractors are going to be able to come in 10 years from now, rip it all out, fix all the rot and redo everything. So if they're going to be doing that, you're now off the hook because your job's done. You have a one year warranty on the product. But but by the same token, they're creating a whole other industry for people like yourself to come and fix everything that was messed up. Uh, Right. And look, it keeps us busy. But the problem is, if it keeps us busy, it all comes out of whose pocket again? Homeowner. So let's talk about it from the beginning. If you're going to say, hey, I got a builder. They're very good. So I want to talk to the homeowner and just, hey, what do you think of the builder? And they're going to ask, well, it's great because they're getting done. You ever notice where I'm at, it takes a year to build a house. Now, they've already started on it. It's not getting the permits. Like when they start the job, it takes a year. They're small homes. They're not that big of a house. How's it take a year to to get a house done? That's some of the other questions that I have. I said, well, how long is it going to take you to do this? The roof's been on, the siding's been on, the windows have been in, drywall's been loaded. Drywall's been loaded in there, and all the inspections have been done for about a month and a half. Mm-hmm. When do you get into the drywall? Is it ever going to go up? He said, well, what concern of it is you? I'm just, I said, I'm just looking out for the homeowner. I just, it's one of my neighbors, and I, I just want to make sure everything goes well. He goes, oh, you live around here? I'm like, well, sort of, like 10 blocks away. I don't want to let him know it's close. But I said, all these issues that you're doing are creating problems for future homeowners that have to buy this. So even if this homeowner moves out, now you're going to have another problem again. Where do you take responsibility for your mistakes? Well, that kind of ended the conversation at that point, and that's where we are right now. You should take responsibility before the mistakes happen, right? Well, if you're saying you're a builder, wouldn't you want to be able to do the job and yeah, do it right? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. But why? Why? I just, I, I want to know why. Like, everybody gets upset with me because I, I question them on their applications of installation. Well, you can listen to the show. You can actually go on YouTube and see a lot of different other people that are doing the installation correctly. Why aren't you doing it that way? Good question. I, I just can't figure it out. So, uh, listen, I, I, I'm trying to wrap my head around this. Look, I don't care if you're a builder and you're making $200 billion a year. Uh, if you don't know what you're doing from the beginning. Shouldn't be doing it. You really shouldn't be doing it. Yeah. I, I remember when I was on uh, Chef Joe's show and I said, uh, well, he says to me, he goes, hey, listen, what do you think of uh, the, the builders in your area? I said, you got a bodyguard. It's going to walk me out because here's what it is. It's guys with a lot of money. They're going to hire guys that think they know how to build because they simple. I mean, not that hard, right? But the problem is all that building that doing doing it wrong is coming back to homeowners and they've got to fix all these issues. And I also talked about like the ice shield. I said, why didn't, there's no C3 and a half, which we call the minimum coverage. Mm-hmm. Those are the big manufacturers. They tell you to put that down to, to help the water from driving in. I said, what about the snow load? That lifts that up. So why don't you just do it this way? It's only going to cost you maybe about eight cents extra. I said, drop that ice shield below onto the fascia you don't have to put any drip edge metal because it really doesn't work anyway. And I'm telling you, because here's why. 34 years I've been doing it, we've been having some heavy storms in 34 years around here. Mm-hmm. Why, again, have I've never had a problem. It's a drip edge metal. Now, what I do is when I'm doing the sodding, I have a, it's called a Z-cap, where I have a half inch kick out and I bring the overhang of the shingles out an inch and a half. Right. So we're still out an inch past the end of the capping, but there's no way water's getting in there. I mean, it's gotta be a 200 mile an hour wind that's gonna be driving wind mm-hmm. on the side to get a pushing little bit it, of water. Pushing in. it like laterally. Right. Yeah. So even at that point, you're still going to get it with the put it on or not putting it on. But I'm just more worried about the ice damming in the wintertime because around here, in, where we're at in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, 
Delaware, New York, it gets cold and still warm. And when that ice melts, works its way into the gutter, nighttime starts to come, it refreezes in the gutter and works its way back up under the shingles. You and mm-hmm. I talked about it because we've seen yep. it personally on jobs that you and I went around to for yep. years. So I had it happen to me in my old house. Somebody said to me, we know about that. We started about 10 years ago. And I said, listen, I, was, I got a VHS tape of me talking about it. I said, it was 2005. Because when my roofer did my house that I built in 2004, I had ice damming. And it was that winter we had some storms. There's got to be a better way of doing this. And that's when I thought about it. I'm like, listen, I'm building homes or if I'm starting new or ripping a roof and doing a roofing and siding together, why don't I drop that ice shield down below and do not give the ice a path to come in? You know, it works. And mm-hmm. it's been almost 20 years now. So people that thought about it a couple of years ago, you did not invent it. I'm not saying that I invented it, but uh, I, like I said, in 2005, I talked about it. But these are the things that we need to know, which is going to lead into our college of how to break down estimates part one. We're going to talk about a few things. You're going to ask me a couple of questions that really should be in an estimate that you should know mm-hmm. when you're signing with anybody across America that it should be in there. And if these steps are in place, everything's going to be just fine. Okay, Kev, I think you've got a sort of a juicy horror story for us today, right? Usually, uh, they are pretty juicy. Uh, But it's good that people are now listening to the show. They're learning something, but the problem is is that they already had the bad contractor taken for money or did a bad job. So now they've got to try to figure things out and get things moving again. So it was one of our customers. uh, She signed contracts with a contractor to do some work down in the area that she lives in, and uh, she gave them half the money up front. Uh, Big yeah, mistake but, right there. Right. So, and I get it. Listen, but the guy was there working, had a few of the guys there working for a day. She said they were there a day. So it, she felt comfortable that they were going to finish the job. Well, as of course the day went on, they wrapped up and finished up and got some of the work done. Maybe about 10% of the work that was there, but just very little material was there. And they have mm-hmm. a good hunk of the money part of the job. Well, the next day, nobody shows up. So she said she called and it's been going on for weeks, now months. Mm. What can I do? Let me guess. Nobody's going to show up. Most likely after yeah, three and right. a half months. Mm-hmm. So uh, the best advice I can give any of my listeners is that to give money for a smaller job. And it, again, it was still $9,000. It's still a lot of money. But for smaller jobs like this, really, uh, most of the time, contractors should be able to eat a good portion of that. Or if they're done 50%. Well, by law, in Pennsylvania, would this happen in Pennsylvania? It was not in Pennsylvania. Oh, it wasn't in Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, smaller jobs are not required anything custom to be ordered, like, say, windows, if you're going to get right. something done, if you want something custom. Mm-hmm. Once the contractor orders that, they're going to eat that. So I can see taking a percentage and putting that down. Uh, but when it comes to some stock like plywood and studs and a few other things, it, it's stock items. She said 35%, right? She gave half. Half, half. That's 50% a lot of money. Of the money. Yeah. That okay. is a little yeah. bit of money. So yeah. now when you look at that, it's just, I, I can't understand how a contractor would try to do that, but it's been happening more and more. And we're trying to figure that out. But these are some of the steps we're going to talk about in the college that's going to minimize that. And if you follow these steps, it's going to make it a little bit easier mm-hmm. for everybody. So I'm just hoping people can understand that what I'm going to tell them that they follow through with it. Because I know that most of the times when I talk to a lot of the homeowners, like just like recently when somebody was uh, talking to me about their windows, I'm like, what are you getting? She said, I don't know. The contractor's putting them in. I'm like, well, you should know what you're getting. What's the application? Does that have a nailing flange? What's the manufacturer? Couldn't answer any of those questions. So <laughs> you should be knowing all this stuff before you sign contracts. So I'm sure if you're buying a house or if you're buying a car, you're reading first what you're getting. Is that- well, yeah, but it's, it's different. I mean, it's totally different. You're buying a car, you can make a certain leap of faith because that car is being manufactured by a company that's making tons of that type of car, okay? And you're not going to ask about every little nook and cranny in the car. 
in terms of construction, you got to ask because every job is a custom job. Correct. Every job is a custom job. There's no cookie-cutter job out there that uh, somebody can just say yes to and not worry about what the moving parts are. So you have to be concerned about this in construction, home improvement. Well, that's why when I asked these homeowners, like, if, if you didn't understand what you were getting, why did you sign the contract from the beginning? Yeah. <laughs> that's a great... The yeah. question that uh, baffles everybody's mind, but j- just be sensible about it. Listen, our listeners, I, I get it. We're, we're, we're getting there, but we still need to keep the word going throughout the people that aren't listening to the show. So this doesn't happen to them. And we've talked about no, repeating this stuff over and over and over again uh, really makes a lot of sense because pick up new listeners all the time. You pick up listeners who forget to do what we suggest doing. Reinforcement is what it's all about. Exactly, exactly. So the college is going to help everybody out, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. Stick with us. All right, we'll be back after we take a quick break. We've been telling our listeners about Provia entry doors and windows, but there's a lot more to Provia, right, Kev? Yeah, you bet. Provia is your one source for professional class entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone, and incredible metal roofing. In fact, Provia makes all the product you need to create the perfect home exterior. They do it all the Provia way, the professional way. Hey, Kev, didn't you just use Provia siding and doors on your home? Yep, the look of my siding and doors have landed me a ton of work. Okay, so what sold you on Provia vinyl siding? The same that sells my customers. Provia Siding Reflex Heat protects against UV rays and solar heat buildup that ensures long-lasting color. Then there's a range of traditional, insulated, and decorative siding profiles, all with the look and feel of real wood. And a selection of now colors, including dark and bold hues. So, what's your take on Provia manufactured stone? The molds of Provia stone are created from natural stones, giving it a quarried stone look with a great range of shapes and sizes. Customers love them, and the 10 choices of color palettes, Provia stone goes with any environment. To see how Provia Siding and Stone combine to create the Provia perfect exterior with great curb appeal, visit Provia.com. Click on Designer Collections under the Design It tab. Hey, Kevin here, installing another Provia entry door. I do about 50 or more a year. Schlage knobs, hardware, and handle sets make a great complement to any Provia fiberglass or steel entry door. Provia and Schlage, I think, are the best combination of curb appeal, style, and security money can buy in entry doors. And Schlage now has a complete line of Wi-Fi locks, including the new Encode Plus, which can be locked or unlocked with the tap of an Apple Watch. Amazing. Provia and Schlage, there's no better combination for entry doors. All right, hey, Ron, now it's time for the featured segment. And this is actually coming from one of our listeners that wrote in. And want to know a little bit more about certain specific items in a contract. But as I said, one of the things that you should have in the contracts. Now, this is not the work that you're getting, but the general aspect of it. Right, right, right. Is it should have a start and end date. It's not too hard to figure out. Look, exterior, I get it. If it rains 50 days in a row and you're outside working, I, I understand that. They're going to understand. Homeowners are going to understand that. But there's got to be a consensus. If you're going to start a job, you're going to finish a job. Because some of the times when people always ask me that don't know me, hey, you know, you're you're working on the job, but do you have multiple jobs going and do you start Start the job, leave it, come back. I'm like, well, no. All right, so a start and end date. Start and end date. That's important. Very okay. important. Because that's an out for somebody who's going to just drag it on and on and on and on, right? And it happens a lot. Okay. It really does. What's the second point that you would recommend here for the general points to be put into a contract? I think it was one of the most important is payment schedules. Mm-hmm. When are you going to pay the contractor? Seems logical to me. Yeah. You know, what was it? A couple of weeks ago when we were talking with Frank, he said, listen, just send the payment now. This way we can focus on the work when we get there. Well, if you're going to have all the money 
paid, are they going to show up? So having a payment schedule is vitally important. And the payment schedule should all be set up this way. Look, if a contractor wants to get certain monies down because it's a custom product, which could be, say, special siding or windows that need to be ordered with certain options, they're going to eat that once they order it. I understand that. So in the state of Pennsylvania, third is the most that they can take as a contractor. Rule of thumb across the nation really should be no more than a third. Because if they're going to get a large sum of money, that means that they can then start to play with the idea of, do we start? When we start, we can take our time because we have your money. So the money should be set. And here's what I always let people know is that the contractor should be ahead of the work schedule. And what that means, if they're say 25% into the job, then I say 10% you could take. If they get about half the job done, you know, maybe 35% pay them. Right. But don't pay them 70% and only 50% of the yeah, work is gone. done. So right, let them work for it. It's <laughs> right, not that exactly. hard, just let them work. But the show is about homeowners getting the right estimate, how to break down estimates, finding the right contractor. But it's also the other end that contractors that I talk to, they just want to get paid for the job once it's done. Because a couple of people we've talked about, very rarely, but homeowners can then turn around and say, you know, we don't feel like paying the guy. Then we got to go through court. Then we got as a contract, go through the whole legal ramifications of doing this. Which is a nightmare. It is. And it's a nightmare for everybody. And and a job when it's done should be an enjoyable job for both the homeowner and the contractor to work together because that's when the job gets done done right. And if you hire the right contractor from the beginning, it's going to be easy. But payment schedule is very, very important. Gotcha. Copy of the workman's comp is a must because if they don't have workers' comp, if they can't provide you a policy, somebody gets hurt, some one of his guys or, you know, people gets hurt in the job. You own that person then, right? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah you're getting sued. Yeah, either yeah. way. Yeah, I, this is the one where roofers cannot stand when I say this on the air because I always tell them, you know, listen, I know you're subcontracting. Yeah, roofing's out. really important because you got guys up there who can fall off. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, but what they do is they just have could have a general plan and then the subs aren't covered. And that's the thing you really need to look into because I always tell people, listen, if I'm lying to you. Call your insurance agent. Say, listen, I'm going to hire a roofer, and he has no workman's comp for the guys that are up on the roof. Should I hire him? And our end of the has, has it for himself? Correct. Yeah. It's just a way Should of- Should you hire him? The answer is no. <laughs> the, the first yeah. thing the insurance company is going to tell you, no. Yeah. Don't hire them. But again, a lot of people look at, put my head in the sand, because they see that price is a lot cheaper. So do you want to take that risk? So workman's comp, a great general liability policy is very important. Uh, see, the problem in the state of Pennsylvania, I don't know if they've upped it since then because I'm well into the millions of what I have. It was a minimum of $50,000 general liability. Well, which let's is, say I'm working on nothing, your house. Which is nothing. Your house is $700,000. $50,000 will get your garden back. That's about it. There you go. Well, yeah. what about the content inside? Yeah. That's all going to be covered. Zero. So if a handyman comes out to your house, puts an electrical outlet in, two hours later, an arc sets on fire because they did it wrong, even though the appliance itself is anti-arc, but if the wire is not connected to somebody or they didn't put it in a box and it starts arcing, catches the insulation to the studs. You got got a problem. And now you got a big problem. Yep. So you got to make sure that you're covered that way also. The license number, that's an important one. Yeah, I mean, in the state of Pennsylvania, what I say is it doesn't help certain homeowners because there's so many bad contractors out there and how many stories do we have just in the state of Pennsylvania alone. People that are good contractors and good people, what you're looking at is they're, they're going to be held liable because they're filling out the right application, they're doing it right, right. and their name's on it. So my corporation's on my license number. So I don't want to be sued. I don't want to be have these problems that we go into and have to shut down because this is my livelihood. But the, the problem is, is you got these companies that are just registering names. They're putting fake addresses down. How about this one? Just recent will be coming up. Fake IDs. 
So you have fake ID. You're I'm faking sure there are a lot, of, somebody. a lot of that is going on today. Yeah. So, but it does have uh, a little bit of clap. But most of the license really for the good contractor, somebody like me, because I'm licensed uh, in the state of Pennsylvania. But it just gives you a, a tag to go back to. They know where I live. They know mm-hmm. where I have. They know what assets I have because these are some of the things I have to fill out. Like uh, how long I've been in business. Do I have any other claims against me? So there's a paper trail on me already. Mm-hmm. But there's so many ways to get around this. So the license number is nice. You should have it by law. But then again, you know, somebody says, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years. I really know what I'm doing. If he got his, if he got his license a year or two ago, right? It's something to look into, right? Uh, and think? how many times have I called people on social media and doing yeah. that? So yeah. it, it, listen, the license that you have to have it. I'm not saying you don't have to have it, but you know, if you notice, everybody has 30 years experience. If you notice, every one of the social media feeds, somebody chime in and 30 says, "30 years is the magic number." I don't know why. The one guy I was talking to, I said, "You're 29 years old. Where do you get 30 years experience?" He goes, "Well, listen, I got like 10 guys with three years experience. Yeah, right, exactly. add them up. There it is." So how do you represent that into the point of legally? I'm not a lawyer, so you have to ask your lawyer on that, but. Or here's another, here's, here's, you have five general points down here. The last one is the contractor should be liable to apply for a permit, correct? Correct. Homeowners can apply for it themselves, but the ultimate goal is to make sure that that contractor applies for the license. The reason why they're going to ask for the permit, because the, the my license is on there, my workman's comp, my general liability, I've got to submit all that so the township knows that I am a, a legitimate company. Mm-hmm. But the reason why is that you really want to get a build a bond between the inspectors of the township and the contractor because it makes the jobs go a lot easier. And for homeowners that are like, oh, I don't know if I should hire the guy, you can call the township building up. Every township building will give you this information. They can't give a recommendation, but if there's a problem with that contractor, they'll tell you there's a problem with it. Every township around here gives that because there's problems that people are complaining about. Townships want to make sure that the homeowners and the citizens in that area are well protected. So they'll tell you the bad contractors, but they can't refer anybody. They just say, hey, here's a list. That makes sense. It makes sense. You know, I mean, they're showing uh, they have to be impartial. So remain impartial. And that's beside getting the applying for the permit, homeowners should be checking a few things out. Here's a few additionals that you should be checking just across the board. Number one is have them call certain suppliers in the area that they deal with and call the supplier and say, listen. Are they in good standing with you? That's it. Right. Do they pay on time or right. you're, you're waiting 90 days? Are they slow play? Do they, do they skip on payments? They're going to let you know that also. Those are the people you probably don't want to be dealing with. Exactly. Because how long are they going to be in business? You get a lifetime warranty with them. Well, two weeks later, they're out of business. Now, there's your warranty. They're robbing Peter to pay Paul, maybe. You know? Correct. Yeah. But they find ways to do it where it's only bending the law and not breaking the law. Mm-hmm. So that means when you start to sue them, well, they're already bankrupt and now you're gone and there's no way for the state yep. when you're there to recoup your money. Well, we're going to get into specific projects now, right? Yep. What are we looking for on an estimate or an agreement or a contract, whatever you want to call it, on windows and door installation? What specific should be in that estimate in addition to the general stuff that we just talked about? Well, one thing you should be known as as a homeowner is what are you signing for? What is the complications that you can run into? Asking all these questions of is there rot? What is it going to be to fix that rot? For somebody to say, I don't know. Well, if it's just the sill or some plywood, you should be able to see what the siding is, pull that siding down, fix it and put it back up. So give them a general idea. Well, how about window and door installation, though? Well, if you have, say, for the installation, the three criteria I've talked about almost 10 years now in the air is number one, what are you purchasing? Number two is what's the method of application. And number three is who's installing it. And this can go for windows, doors, siding, anything. When it comes to windows and doors, the number one is to make sure you're ripping everything out. Uh, Make sure that the the 
proper flashing that's going in, the proper installation that's going in, everything's got to be installed, and it should be spelled out step by step right. on that contract. Because if it's not, and it's very vague, because some people just don't say, ah, it's a window, right? It's a window. How hard is it? You've got to know what you're getting. Is it new construction, new construction replacement, or new construction? Or uh, There's three different ways of doing hey, this. Explain the difference between the three. So a replacement window is where they're taking the two sashes inside an existing frame, pulling that out, putting a new frame with sashes. It's a full window inside the existing frame, mm-hmm. putting four screws around it, capping the outside, whether it's covered in rot or not, and then you're done. Mm-hmm. And if you don't maintain that caulk, it's going to keep leaking. And if you have a problem with the old window frame prior, it's going to keep leaking when that leaks in because you're not solving the problem. A new construction replacement. Now, what that means is the new construction is the nailing flange that's going to be applied around the window. So that means when you get into new construction, the old part of the window, everything's got to come out down to the framing of the house. And the replacement part comes in because that window is only three and a quarter inch depth. So that three and a quarter then has to be jam extension, which is what that's going to be applied to the sides to be brought back out. Or you could do a drywall return to finish that window. Right. A full new construction window, that window depth. So if you have a standard wall, four, two by four wall, that window's four and a half inches, four and nine sixteenths of an inch. So when that window goes in, it's fully assembled by the manufacturer. Then you just put trim around the window. So it's the same application, but that new construction's vitally important to tie the rubbers with that nailing flange. So everything's integrated into one so you don't right. have problems. understand. How about options? Should they be explained with windows and doors? Because today, windows and doors have a lot of options to them, right? They do. Low the hardware, glass. all that stuff, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's endless, the amount of options you can get. The contractor should walk step-by-step step on certain applications. You have uh, grills. Here's one of the big things. This, this is a big cost between them. Window grills. Right. I mean, yeah. So when you see in the window, they got the panes that look mm-hmm. like a checkerboard. That grill right there can cost a lot of money. It's called an SDL, simulated divided light. It's meant to look like individual panes of glass. Mm-hmm. And the grills are on the inside and outside. A lot more expensive than normal standard application. I personally are- like the no grills at all. Mm-hmm. It's a more modern look. Let's move to what specific should be in a siding estimate. Well, that's really easy. With siding today, the underlayment is the most important thing. I don't know how many times I got to say it. Vinyl siding, uh, concrete board siding, any one of those sidings leak air, leak water. So you have to do a proper underlayment to make sure when that water and air does penetrate and get behind that wall, that it doesn't leak. And this is one of the biggest things that I strive when I'm selling my jobs is that as we strip it down, the underlayment, the way I step-by-step process those, the windows that tied in with the Tyvek, the Tyvek rubber, the Tyvek flashing that we put on there is the ultimate goal. The siding is the cosmetic part. So if the contractor who's doing it, and I've seen this a ton of times where they'll start putting the Tyvek up, they stop at the top wall and the gable, which is that A-frame that right, looks up right, top. Right, right. Mm-hmm. They just don't put Tyvek up there. And that's the number one area when you have water coming up when it starts at the top. Yeah, what Which would way be the go? point of that? What would there be the point of not Tyvekking up there? Well, a lot of people think that it really does nothing where it's the most important part of the house that you need to do. It was one of them, one of them in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I think I put it on there, my, my social media feed that I, I was watching. I was taking a picture. I just stood there and just started a video. And they just put the up where they took the siding and went over into the gable. And in our neighborhood, the exterior is a, it's an old gypsum board, we call it. It's this, an exterior drywall. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you don't want to be getting that wet. So that siding is going to sweat. If it leaks, then it's going to get in behind the house. And when the siding starts leaking from the top, where there's no Tyvek or underlayment under there. Is that the black stuff they used years ago? That's that felt paper they used felt- to use. No, I mean, there was there was, there was was black. 
it wasn't boards. felt paper boards yeah 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 okay. gypsum boards okay it's exterior drywall is basically what it is yep and when that gets wet it does not handle very well then you're gonna have more of an issue down the line but siding the most important thing is that underlayment you've got to make sure you're specific on the contracts that the contractor is going to give you an unbelievable underlayment to make okay. sure everything's sealed off, to make sure everything's taped. Now, I know uh, we, we had Tyvek on and he said, ah, you know, with taping, taping to me is important because it's air infiltration. And you're getting all this work done because you don't want air infiltrating your house because that's going to lower yeah. your R value. Uh -huh. So why not seal all this off? So listen, I know there's a lot more detail I can go into that I've did over the past 30 plus years of doing the siding. But it's just taking those steps and key components that if you do the underlayment correct, it, it gives you a little bit of wiggle room of messing up the siding and it's not going to have water that's going to come into the house. Okay. And you have another point here now that the customer should be aware of how the siding is nailed properly. How would it be nailed improperly? Too tight. You can see that. You can see like a warping. Correct. You can. Now what that's called. So if you see that, it's nailed too tight. Correct. Okay. So now what this is called for our listeners, it's called oil can warping. And if you see it on manufacturers that this product's thicker and it's gonna resist against that. Now what oil can warping is if one nail's loose and the other nail's nailed very tight and it's nailed up against the mm -hmm. wall, well that siding is gonna expand as it gets warmer. As it's expanding, well it's not gonna be able to expand at that point, so the siding's gonna to start to ripple called oil can warping. Wow. And okay. that is a big, big point mm -hmm. of installation. Here's the one thing that customers always love, because I'm the one that's doing the physical part of the siding. They see me put my head up against the wall as I'm siding. I'm up 15 feet in the air, and I just, I'm rolling my head left and right. And I've seen it probably a couple times where customers come up, like, what are you doing up there? It looks a little strange that I'm, I'm putting my head against the wall, and I'm looking left and right. Mm -hmm. I said, what I'm doing is I'm looking down that piece of siding and to make sure that piece of siding is straight. What they're calling for in the VSI, Vinyl Siding Institute, standard application is a quarter inch of play, which is perfect. But when you're doing a siding job on an older house, those walls could be out a half inch. And sure. for a good yeah, contractor sure. to do mm -hmm. it, because look, most of them are subcontractors. They're not getting paid for quality. They're getting paid to get it done as fast as they can. So if, if a sub it's is doing- It's like piecework. Yeah. Well, think about this. The more pieces you do, the more you get paid. Exactly. Yeah. And, it, and I always tell people, if your sub is getting paid to do this job, and if he gets it done in a day, he's making $2,200. If he gets done in seven years, he's mm -hmm. going to make $2,200. Yep. How fast do you think he's getting it done? Fast, fast. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I want to look for the quality. So my head, what I'm doing is I'm swiveling to make sure that it's perfectly lined up. And if the studs are bowed or twisted, that I can be able to feather that out so the siding doesn't reflect that it has a big bow into it. Okay. Another point on siding is, um, and you have... Prices can vary on quality of siding. So you need to know what quality of siding your contractor has estimated on, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah, what okay. I always tell people, there's one of the products, there's one of the competitor companies. So, so you want, to, want them to identify the brand and you want them to, to identify the... Uh, the, the level. The, the level. In that brand. Yeah, Because yeah, sure. most brands have inexpensive ones and they go to more expensive yeah, ones. Yeah, I can see where this would be a sticking point. Somebody's going to substitute something less at the end of the day. And premium is an 042 gauge, which is a very thin yeah, product. Right, right, it's right, just right, slightly right. above builder's grade. Right. But it sounds great, premium. But yeah, what most people, what they do is they want to be able to give you that low price from the beginning. So they're going to give you one of the lower ends. So as you see with what manufacturer you want to use, that's why I love Provia, because everything's all top quality over there. And I've been using their Cedar yeah, you Max. You can't lose with them. You oh, just can't. Just, um, yeah. That's why I said, I, listen, I, I worked with another 
manufactured years ago launching their products. I stopped using them because their warranty is horrible. They're having a lot of issues with the siding. And I started with Pro-V 11 years ago. And I'm not changing because the product's phenomenal. Yeah. But when you're pricing that out, I want to make sure people understand I'm pricing in the Cedar Max. The Cedar Max compares with all the other brands. But here's the best part. Through the years, and this is going back from 11 years ago, it's Pro-V is a lot less expensive than the other manufacturers. And all you got to do is just contact your local supplier. So I'm going to deal with Provia, better product, less expensive product, better warranty. Now you understand why I'm using Provia for the past 11 years. Yeah, right, exactly. So It checks off all the boxes. It does. Yeah. And now when I'm explaining to homeowners, listen, I'm going to price it out. I'm going to give you the worst case scenario. So when this other contractor gives you a price for one of the competitors, that's the bottom of the line barrel cheap siding. The reason why is I don't want to get the job based on a low price, knowing that the new price of the siding is going to be, say, 2000 more for the better product. I've got the job. Now I can charge you 4000 more. You're like, oh, that's yeah. that's a great buy. Well, I just made an additional $2,000. So if giving you the worst case from the beginning, and that's my price, if you like that price, then it's going to be great for you because now you know you're getting the top quality product, top quality installer, and you're getting for the right price. Okay. Now let's move on to the near stone, which is not you know an unusual uh, uh, exterior characteristic in home improvement today. What are the what are the points that should be in a contract involving veneer stone? And Underway. by the way, if you get a lot done, every point that we're talking about here under uh, exterior, exterior windows and doors, siding, veneer stone, should all be included in that contract. If it, if, if it includes all the stuff, right? All yeah. these it, it's processes. simple. Yeah. Well, you would, veneer stone, this is the way I like to do it. I like okay. to put ice shield underneath the wall. So I do a multi-part process. Uh, I've done it in certain applications where I put the ice shield up and then put a Tyvek stucco over top of that. Yep. So all that does is that when you're stapling, here's what, what I thought of. When you're stapling through either Tyvek or, or through the rubber, the rubber that we put on there, it's an ice shield that we put up for the roof, it self-seals around that little staple. Now, even though the, it's going to stick to the plywood, I still want every part of that, that wall sealed up where that if you have siding that's three and a half feet up and you're going to be putting the stone below that from grade soil grade to that that wall so right yeah. at that water table yeah. i'm still about eight inches above that of all rubber because i know that all veneer stones pull in moisture they're going to leak they're going to have all these problems because that's what stone does mm -hmm. having that proper underlayment is very very important okay the second thing is make it sure because i've I, I witnessed this personally in one of the jobs when somebody called in from the show they were putting veneer stone up so they put the wire underlayment and they were only nailing it every so often. And I said to the homeowner, do you mind if me asking this contractor a couple questions? I said, if you're only putting a couple nails here and there and I'm pulling on the wire, I said, if it's loose now, when all this weight gets on- It's the, gonna be really loose when you get the weight on it. Yeah. yeah. Hey, guess common sense. Right. Yeah. Yep. Well, that was a horror story that we did back when we were on broadcasting. Uh, they had a problem, they had to come back and fix it and redo it all. So if you know from the beginning, Make sure that says, hey, we're putting X amount of nails per stud. We're hitting in. If you have plywood, I like to put plywood behind everything. So if you have that, like we talked about with my house, that exterior drywall, right. take that all out. Put a good solid CDX, half-inch CDX if you have half-inch chips. And put it up there. Put the ice shield. Put the Tyvek over top of all that. The Tyvek stucco I like because it can drain water better. Make sure the planes, the water planes are in there so it drains out. And then... Really, really important. The biggest mistake that a lot of builders today make, and I can't believe they still do this, I can't stand when builders do this, is they put a job, they put a cheap vinyl window in, and they bring the stonework right up to that vinyl window. There's got to be some sort of caulk or something, an easy bead or something in there, right? 
Well, let, let me put it this way. Say if that window fails, which a cheap windows will in 10 years, how are you getting that window out? Impossible. Nailing flanges behind that stone. Yeah, work. impossible. Yeah. So why not put a border up? Take the stone down. Correct. Yeah. Or cut that back, cut the stone back. But then between that cut point, between where you cut that to the underlayment, you just compromised it. So why not put a border around that? So when the windows do fail, you'll be able to pull that window out, pull the nailing flange out and retie all the rubbers in between all that again yeah. okay. to do it again. Mm-hmm. See, a lot of builders say to me, well, listen, I, I do 2000 homes a year. I, I know it's going to cost more to do it this way, but just charge the homeowner that's going to be buying the house a few extra bucks. Uh, it's, I think with big, big, uh, high, high volume home builders, it's like, you know, some people are going to catch it and not do anything about it. Yeah, you it know, looks there's, great. There's a problem. Some people are going to catch it and do something about it. Listen, I, I've been in this business for a long time. I'm offering any contractor or anybody wants to come on. If they got problems with what I'm saying, come on, let's talk about it. But what I'm saying just makes it's it's common sense. A lot of the stuff I'm talking about, it is common sense. Yeah, it's going to cost a little bit more. But listen, when I do a job, I don't want callbacks because if there's a problem, they're calling me. So mm-hmm. to minimize that, I always thought through it the years. If I'm going to better myself to make it, why don't everybody else do it? So it's very simple stuff, but yeah, putting a, a border around that window so we can access that nailing flange yeah, when the window have does. To, have to destroy the stone to get the uh, the window out. Yeah, Duh. makes sense. It just makes sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's one of the things in the veneer stone. Just to make sure those borders go around. All right, let's go up top now. Roofing, and this is the last one we're going to do today. What are the specifics that should be in a roofing estimate? Knowing what you're getting, and that it's, it's simple. You're ripping everything down. Uh, roofing's pretty much easy today, but the two problems that I find, and these are the two most important parts of a roof, is that yep. roofing very rarely leaks. The flashing areas where the flashing ties into a wall. Now, what that is, it's or a, a chimney metal. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So mm-hmm. people complain about it. It's not that they're, they're having big problems. It's just that wood are leaking from certain areas. Mm-hmm. A good roofing contractor is going to explain step by step. Hey, we're ripping it off. We'll protect your plants. Most of them do that. Mm-hmm. They do it because that's what they try to sell off of. They don't say, hey, look up and see a great job. Look at the ground. Look how well we cleaned. Right. Yeah, you cleaned up well, but there's a problem up on the roof. And nobody's I'm... going up on their roof to there check There you job. go. Yeah. So what do you suggest? Pictures, photographs, phone photos? All that. Yeah. All of the above. Yeah. Again, the ice shield, when I talk about the ice shield, drop it below onto the fascia behind the gutter so it doesn't leak. Well, it doesn't have, I mean, well, actually, Texas, it did a couple of years ago. Remember, we were getting calls from Texas. They had ice yeah, they two were, years they had ago. A nightmare going on down there. Yeah, Arizona. I think I had a little bit of it last year again too. Ooh, not not as not as bad, bad as, as year it was before. year before. Yeah. Florida, I'm very rarely going to see what I'm going to tell you. Um, you know, Arizona, New Mexico, because it doesn't get cold there, where you get high snow in certain areas. Most mm-hmm. of it, everybody down south. But this year, probably because there was a lot of snow dumped all over the place, there's probably still snow out there in certain places, right? Oh yeah. And this year, places that didn't experience bad things with snow before probably did this time around. So why not get a proper roof done so you never have a problem? Sounds it really minimizes it down because if I'm not having a problem, there's got to be something so extreme. And if you're getting a 200 mile an hour wind, I wouldn't worry about your roof getting water under it. Your ass is probably going to come down to 200 miles an hour. Mm, I wouldn't want to be there. Right. <laughs> so yes, it will cost a little bit more money, but you know, if it costs 700 to a thousand dollars more, well, think about your what you're going to go through if you do have ice dam. You're going to have water that's going to come in. It's going to yeah, leak in down the wall. It's going to be like horrendous for a thousand bucks and you know what it's it it's minimal damage that people always say sometimes where they see a stain maybe about three foot wide by about six inches and it's between the roof yeah uh, drywall between the uh, 
two joints there. And I said, well, listen, think about then that water that got down behind the wall. So you're going to have mold because the water got inside. The insulation got all moldy. Why not just eliminate that by putting it right the first time? But see, roofers can't sell it this way because everybody got into the roofing business because of all these insurance claims. Mm-hmm. And if one roofer says, hey, by the way, why don't we just claim it on insurance? You have hail damage or wind damage. And you know there's been no hail or wind uh, in the last two years in your area. That's called insurance fraud. So walk away from those guys. Uh, but one of the big things is flashing. I've seen so many times where a lot of roofers say, yeah, but the flashing is very good. I'm like, well, if it's very good, why are there existing holes in that flashing that from prior? So when you're putting the new shingles in, now you're going to have more holes. That flashing doesn't want holes in it. You want a nice piece of flashing that's going to go tight, in there. Nice tight piece of flashing. Yeah. That's it. Because they like to leave it. What it does is it cuts cost. You don't know about it because the water's not leaking. Yeah. Now, and look, it does hold sometimes. I'm not saying that it's going to leak guaranteed. I'm saying that I don't want to take that risk because if I'm spending fifteen to $20,000 for a new roof, I want the flashing to be replaced because that shingle, whether what manufacturer you're using, is going to last for about 40 to 50 years. So let's do it right so I don't have to call you back for problems yeah, down the line. I agree. So okay. that's key. And take pictures. All right. Well, that covers what we wanted to cover today. General points to be in all home improvement estimates, specific points to be put into exterior windows and door installation, siding, veneer stone, roofing. And we're going to come back to this in subsequent weeks and talk about other different types of jobs. Maybe we go interior now and talk about jobs and what should be in those those estimates. Okay? Correct. But again, I've said it many times on the show, the three criteria you really, really, really need to know is number one is what are you purchasing number two is what's that method of application like i said the windows making sure the rubber the foams everything's in there know what you're getting Mm -hmm. third part and this is where contractors hate me who's doing the work i want to know who's physically doing the work are they subcontractors or are they employees yeah because that can make a difference on quality control are you coming out look i'm not saying subs are bad but somebody's got to do quality control because if that sub does maybe 10 jobs for you and he does a really bad job, yeah, the, the, you might have a good company that's going to come and fix it, but mm-hmm. why have that problem from the beginning? Right. And, and the general piece of advice that I would throw out there is that don't look at this the way you would look at buying a car because it's not. It's not. Or even a boat or something like that. Something that's mass produced in essence because Every home improvement job is a custom job. It's got its own set of problems, okay? And it needs people who can deal with those problems and execute well in spite of it. Yeah, and most people today, that the biggest asset they have is their home. Yeah, absolutely. So and, it's going to, and it's getting more that way now with the price of homes, the way the price of homes is going up, getting more that way. So protect it. That's why... We call the show your valuable home <laughs> yeah good job Ryan. i think that was a, a good point that we made across for our listeners and as like i said uh, keep writing them in we like to hear the information that you like to hear so we can get you the best information yeah, if you out. want if you have specific projects and you want to know what specifically should be in that estimate very simple kevin at your you can check them i can even remember that Hey, Kev, great news on how our listeners can tap into their home equity without taking a loan, making monthly payments, or piling on debt. With Unison, they get up to 17.5% of their home's value to remodel, pay off debt, buy a vacation home, whatever. You have Unison, right? 
Yep, paid off medical debt. Unison's terms were perfect for me, especially zero monthly payments for up to 30 years. Zero monthly payments? How do they make money? When you sell your home, you pay them the original co-investment amount plus a percentage of the change in your home's value up to 30 years later. How do we learn more? Go to unison.com backslash YVH, which stands for Your Valuable Home. Again, that's unison.com backslash YVH. Additional terms and conditions apply. Visit unison.com backslash YVH for details. Remember the name Provia, your single source for professional class, entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone and metal roofing, products made with latest technology and honest old-world craftsmanship, the Provia way. That's this week's podcast. Your Valuable Home comes to you every week on the new Pod City Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, and all other popular podcast directories. If you want us to share your home improvement project or horror story, email me at kevin at yourvaluablehome.net. That's kevin at yourvaluablehome.net. And don't forget to tell your friends and family about Your Valuable Home, the weekly podcast that's all about building wealth in residential real estate and hiring the right contractor to do the right job at the right price. 